Amen. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 3, verse number 16. Uh, into the word of the Lord tonight. I've already set the timer, so I'm going to have to talk fast and keep moving. Amen. Thank you, Sister Varnum, for all of that. Uh, good words toward our family and especially those young men. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. I'm reaching way back in my ministry to an old message that I have been preaching probably 20-something years or 25 years maybe. I have preached this message. I'm pretty sure I've probably preached it here at this church somewhere back uh, many years ago. But I could not get away from what has been in my spirit since this morning. And I felt this come to my spirit, and it's going to give you a great opportunity to celebrate. Amen. I want to leave you in a celebration attitude about the things of God. First Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, that's not the mystery of the Godhead, but that's a revelation. It's a mystery of godliness, how you and I, sinners lost and undone without God, can walk in a way of righteousness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I'd like to preach for a few minutes tonight, Emmanuel, God with us the bible said god was in the flesh who knows who was in the flesh that have been jesus said god preached unto the gentiles who did that preaching jesus said god was seen of angels that was jesus god was believed on in the world and god was received up in the glory that was none other than the lord jesus christ we worship him as the almighty god the alpha and the omega would you give him some praise right now around this sanctuary for the great revelation. He is Emmanuel. He is God. And he is with us. And everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Sorry for keeping you standing so long. It's a marvelous and magnificent thing. How that God would reveal himself to you and I. In human levels of understanding. The scriptures declare that God was manifest. That means he appeared or he was made visible. God was made visible in the flesh. That's who Jesus was. He was God made visible in the flesh. The manifestations of God, the appearings of God, are all throughout the scripture. Exampled, for instance, when God reveals himself to Moses in something so simple and natural as a burning bush. But that bush was a manifestation of the Almighty God. The expressions of God in this manner are all over the scriptural record. He was a cloud by day and a fire by night. Amen. I'm going to give you a chance to celebrate here. He was Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel. He was the rose of Sharon. It's amazing how God would reveal himself to us in these simplistic ways of understanding. Not only the rose of Sharon, but he was the lily of the valley. He was described as a bright and a morning star. One writer revealed him as a rock. Another as a fortress and as a sure foundation. He was called the light. He was called the lamp. He's called a candlestick. He is water to the thirsty and bread to the hungry. I'm not making this stuff up. It's all in your Bible. 
I said all of this is in your Bible. He is both the lamb slain from the foundations of the world and the lion of the tribe of Judah at the same time. He is revealed as a lion and a lamb. One writer referred to him as a dove. Another called him a door. One said he's the stone that the builders rejected, even the chief corner stone. One writer said he's like the lightning that shineth out of the east. He was the latter rain that fell upon the earth. And at Pentecost, he was a rushing, mighty wind. And while he was lightning, and while he was rain, and while he was wind, on the very same day, he was the new wine of Peter's sermon. For they were not drunk as they supposed, but this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And yet, with all of these, the most personal of all of the manifestations of God, we know him as the Father and as the Son and as the Holy Ghost. For Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. We will, she will bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Joseph took his wife knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. God, the Father of all creation, was born of a virgin girl named Mary. His name in the flesh was the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the Son of Man and the Son of God all at the same time. His name was Jesus, which by strict definition means Jehovah has become our salvation. He's the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he wrote with a finger of fire in tables of stone, Thou shalt not commit adultery in the new testament flesh walking as the lord jesus christ they brought a woman caught in the very act to him and threw her at his feet and he reached down with that same finger and he wrote in the sand he said neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more he who is without sin let him cast the first stone the god of judgment was also the god of mercy the god of truth is also the god of grace could somebody give the lord some high praise in this house tonight he's emmanuel he's emmanuel god with us he is the father he is the son and he is the holy ghost people try to understand god they try to get a handle around the godhead seems like a great mystery a big confusion it's hard to understand i want you to know the greatest mystery of christianity is the greatest revelation of christianity the bible said god was manifest that means god revealed himself he was concealed in the old testament but he was revealed in the new testament said well how do i understand god some people say well he's like an egg you know the egg has the hard shell on the outside then it has the white and then it has the yolk. Well, that's kind of interesting. There's, there's no Bible verses that says God's an egg. 
Some people say, well, he's kind of like water. Water can be a liquid or you can freeze it and it can be a solid or you can burn it and it'll be a vapor. Okay? Only the Bible never tells us God's a liquid and a solid and a vapor. Some people go so far and really get off base. They say, well, God's just like a marriage, husband and wife. These two shall be one. So really there's two or three, but they're just one. There's no place in the Bible that says God is a marriage. The Bible says, if you want to understand God, it says Adam was made in the image of God, was made in his likeness. In other words, when God made Adam, he said, there it is. When I show up, that's what I'm going to look like. This is how you'll know me. He carved his own image out in the dirt, stood Adam up, breathed in the breath of life, said, yep, that's me right there. We say God took on the form of man, but we need to remember it was man that got it from God to begin with. Amen. Adam was made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. So if you want to understand God, you just have to look at a man. I am a father. My sons are right there. I am a son. My mother lives up in Missouri. And I am a husband. My wife is sitting right there. I have three roles. I have three uh, 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 ways and offices that I use here on this earth. But I am just one person with one spirit. I am one being. And I have one name. And tonight we know the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Do you know the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. There's only one God. There'll only ever be one God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth unto all generations. Praise break time right here. Oh, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the sultry and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and the organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath, let everyone that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. He's the Savior of the world. Somebody ought to praise him. He's the great intercessor of all mankind. Somebody ought to praise him. He's the sacrificial lamb for all our sins. And somebody ought to praise him. He is our hope. He is our anchor. He is our help. He's our strength. And he's our song. Somebody ought to praise him. He's my joy in the midnight hour. He's my peace in the midst of the storm. The Lord is my 
righteousness. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And somebody ought to praise him for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's the problem solver. He's the body's healer. He's the soul satisfier. And I've come to remind somebody tonight that Jesus Christ is still the way maker. And he'll make a way for you and he'll make a way for me. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and forget not all of his benefits he forgiveth all thy iniquities he healeth all thy diseases he redeems your life from destruction and he crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercy somebody somewhere ought to praise the Lord God he's great and he's greatly to be praised he's a bridge over troubled waters he's a shelter in the time of storm he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother he's the wonderful counselor he is the everlasting father he is the prince of peace David said, Thou art my lamp. Thou art my hiding place. Thou art my help. Thou art my deliverer. You are my fortress. You are my refuge. Woo! When I think of the goodness of Jesus, I can't think all about it. You can't think of the goodness of Jesus. It's greater than any thoughts you can ever have. He's bigger than any idea that can ever come to your mind. He's greater than any praise we can give in this house. He's bigger than any song we can sing, any sermon we can preach, or any prayer we can pray. But David picked up the ancient pen and laid it to the ancient apartment. And with poetic style, he gave it his best shot. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anoints my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and somebody ought to praise the Lord God of heaven and earth he which is which was and is to come he said, beside me there is no God. He said, I know not any. He stretched forth the heavens by himself. He made everything everywhere. He hung every star. He put every galaxy in its place. He put every planet in its orbit. I'm telling you, he stretched it out by his mighty hand. He is flowing through this earth today. He'll flow to any heart. He's so big, he can fill the universe. And yet he can dwell in the heart of a man or a woman that opens their soul 
to the Almighty God. No wonder the writer said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Hallelujah. I was standing next to one of our wonderful top preachers a few weeks ago in a service, and somebody read that verse, If God be for us, who can be against us? And that preacher looked at me and said, If God be for us, who cares who's against us? <laughs> I mean, if God is on our side. Jesus Christ is God come down to man. He was more than a prophet, sage, or seer. Religious leaders from all the ages have tried to get the crowds to be followers of them. Muhammad said, follow me, and I will show you the way. Confucius said, follow me, I will show you the way. And there are many that lined up after them saying, follow me, I will show you the way. But Jesus said, follow me, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life tonight? Hallelujah. I release His Spirit all over this house. I release the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ all over this assembly, all over this community and city. I release His healing power, His healing virtue. Lord, touch the bishop tonight. Lord, I pray, touch my wife tonight. Touch everyone that's sick by Your mighty hand, Your mighty glory, and Your mighty power. Let the almighty hand of the way maker come down into this place. Amen. He's the great physician. He's the healer. Hallelujah. By his stripes, his stripes, we are healed. By his death, burial, and resurrection, we are saved. It is by his word that we find eternal life. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to eternal life. He is the way to the throne. There's no other way out of this world except by the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just a good fella. He's not just a wise man. He is the Lord God Almighty. I am like Thomas. I would look at him like the Apostle Thomas did when he saw the nail prints in his hands. He saw the place that the crown of thorn had left its mark. He saw the spear print in his side. He fell to his face and said, My Lord and my God. And I want you to know tonight, we're not worshiping Jesus as a prophet. We're worshiping him as the Lord God Almighty. We're worshiping him as the only true and wise God. We believe he was Emmanuel. He was Elohim, the God of all eternity. Come down to this earth in the form of humanity. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You give me a few minutes, I'll wrap this thing up. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware. Beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophies. Vain deceit after traditions of men, after rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, somebody say Jesus. Why don't we just give the devil a migraine headache here tonight? For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness 
of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in him. I have no backup plan. I have no secondary savior. Either Jesus is the savior of the world, or I am without hope. I am without remedy, and I am without help. But I believe it's all in him. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. First part of that verse says, beware lest any man spoil you. Verse 8, lest any man spoil you. I got to look it into the original language. It's an interesting word used there. Beware lest any man cheat you. Don't let anybody cheat you out of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Don't let anybody water it down. Don't let anybody tell you, well, it's just semantics. It's just language. It doesn't really matter one way or the other. That's just religious gobbledygook. That's just religious divisions. Don't buy into those rudiments of the world. Don't buy into that vain deceit. Don't buy into those traditions of man. Jesus looked at him and said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. How many believe that he is the only true and wise God? How many believe when you're looking in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're looking in the face of Emmanuel, you're looking in the face of Elohim, you're looking in the face of Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Ramah, you're looking into the face of the God of two testaments when you look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. I recognize that it can be hard to understand God. No beginning, no ending. That's kind of like already out of my zone. That's about lost me right there. No begin. Everybody I know was born. No beginning, no ending. He's eternal. He's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. All power, all knowledge, everywhere. One definition in writing I read of all that said he is from vanishing point to vanishing point. Which means he is as far in eternity past as you can see and beyond. He's as far into every revelation of Old Testament prophets, the law, and everything we can understand about him as a schoolmaster. He is as everything we can know in the past and beyond your knowledge. He is as far into eternity future as you can see and beyond. He has passed every New Testament writer's revelation of him, everything Paul said about him, the Apostle Peter said about him, even John the Revelator wrote about him. But when they laid down their pen, he was still past all of that. He was before Moses' revelation. He was before in the beginning. Our revelation of God begins with in the beginning God. There's no explanation. There is a simple declaration. God is. Get used to it. God is. In the beginning, God. <laughs> Amen. He called himself the I am. Amen. That means I am and I will continue to be. I am and I always will be. The I am is always the I am. He's never the I was. He's never the I will be. He is in every generation to every people in every situation. The I am God. He told him before Abraham was, this is what Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Yeah. 
Those good Jews took up stones to stone him. Those good orthodox monotheistic one God, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. They understood when he said before Abraham was I am, he was making himself God Almighty. Jesus was either God in flesh or the greatest imposter that has ever walked on the planet. Choose you this day whom you believe. John 3.16. Here is this mighty God. He exceeds the human mind to comprehend. He exceeds all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding. Everywhere, all the time, all knowledge, all power. He's all things. You can't even put your arms around him. You can't wrap your brain around him. And in his love and in his kindness, John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The key word of that whole verse is often overlooked. It's the word begotten. It means to have a beginning. It means to be born. So God, in all of his love and grace and kindness toward us, understanding we would be limited in our ability to wrap our mind around his greatness and his glory and him being an eternal being, says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come down to where you are. He laid down the regal robes of glory. He come down past the Milky Way. He came all the way down to Bethlehem's stable. And there God was born to a virgin named Mary. Now God has a beginning. There is a reference point. I can wrap my mind around it. He had a birthing place in Bethlehem. And it's the beginning of a reference point for me to understand God. Now I can see him in the face of Jesus Christ. Christ. I can hear him speak. I can watch him walk. I can see the expression on his face. It's the great revelation of the incarnation. It's the hallmark of the Christian faith that God was incarnate in Christ. So here's his disciples and he's always trying to help them understand and they were never quite getting it. He's always saying the works I do are not my works. Things I say are not my words. I do what the Father tells me to do. I say what the Father tells me to say. And they're so confused. They can't get it. And finally, Philip can't take it anymore. Amen. He just can't take it anymore. Brother, would you, would you come out here? I'm going to let you help me. I hope you're living right because you're going to be Jesus for a minute. Hallelujah. Stand right there. So Philip can't take it anymore. He's hearing all this. Disciples trying to figure it out. And so finally, he gets a moment alone with Jesus. And he decides he's going to just figure this out. I know about these moments because I traveled with Billy Cole, great apostle. Brother Cole was an eccentric personality. You couldn't just ask him anything anytime you wanted. You had to wait for a moment. You had to just get your right opportunity. And so you'd have things kind of in your spirit for a while. And you'd wait for that moment that seemed right. And then you'd ask him. And so Philip had this moment with Jesus. And nobody else is around. And he goes in for it. He said, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. If you just introduce me to him, I'd really like to get to know him, talk about him all the time. We've all been wondering who he is. We'd like to meet him. I understand that. Then (laughs) Jesus says, Elohim says, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says, Philip, have I been so long with you and you don't know me? Philip's asking to see the Father, and the Father starts talking. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Now, I don't know what Philip did. I guess it went something like this. He's getting the revelation. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in there. The God of my fathers just spoke to me from him. He just ate breakfast with him that morning. They just cooked eggs over the fire. He handed Jesus his sandals so he could put them on his feet. Now God of all creation just rattled his world. I imagine he's looking at him, realizing he's in there. He's in there. He's in there. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was headquartered in him. You couldn't put all of God there was in him, but all that was in him was God. God was in that body and yet filled the whole universe at the same time because he's omnipresent. Now here's what I imagine Philip did. He's noticing this. Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in there. The God of my fathers. I bet he got so excited. He left Jesus standing, went back to the rest of the disciples. I found him, I found him, I found him, I found him. You're not going to believe where he is. I talked to the Father, and you're never going to guess in a million years where he's at. You're like, well, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? We have found him. That's him right there. That's him right there of whom the prophets spake. That's him right there of whom they told us. That is, hero Israel, the Lord. Our God is one. That's him. Woo! This is a revelation. This is an understanding that God was in Christ. Now, if you think God... In Christ is a great revelation. I got one better. And that is a great revelation. God in Christ is the greatest revelation you'll ever have in your lifetime. But there's one that Jesus built on. Because Jesus said, I am with you, but I shall be. God in Christ was act one. God in us was Act 2. Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. It sat on each of them. They were all filled with God. That's Acts 2. That's the second act of the incarnation. Curtain went down on the Old Testament and rose again with Acts 2. Hallelujah. And now the gospel's preached. Now it's death, burial, and resurrection. Now it's repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we must be born again of the water and born again of the Spirit. 
And someone always says, I've heard it through the years, we preach on the essentiality of water baptism, the absolute essential need to be baptized in water for the remission of sins and to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And somebody say, well, but what about that thief on the cross? He was saved. He didn't get baptized. And you have to agree. He was saved. And he didn't get baptized because he's in the Old Testament. He's not a New Testament comment. It's written in your New Testament portion of the Bible, but it's still under the law. Jesus hadn't even died yet. Couldn't be New Covenant. The New Testament, the Testament, the last will and Testament is never read till after someone dies. Sometimes family tries to get in a hurry and read it while they're sick. That's another sermon. Couldn't be saved according to the gospel. Because the gospel's the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus hadn't died, wasn't buried, hadn't been resurrected, hadn't happened yet. Under the law, you needed a high priest to offer up a sacrificial lamb to make atonement for your sin. That's what the high priest did all the time in the temple, in the sacrifice. So there in the closing moments of the Old Testament, in their final act, the crescendo of the Old Testament, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world is hanging on the cross. He's the high priest and the sacrificial lamb at the same time. So he offers himself. He offers as the high priest, himself as the lamb. He says, Old Testament complete, you're saved. Down comes the curtain. In one stroke of genius, God fulfilled the entire Old Testament law on the cross when he as the high priest offered himself as a sacrificial lamb and made atonement for every soul in the Old Testament. Our musicians could come up here. Somebody give the Lord a great big hand praise all over this house. From the time that God called out, I'm not done preaching. I could preach 30 more minutes. I'm just wrapping it up for your sake. (laughs) From the time God called Adam in the cool of the day, Eden's garden paradise. From there all the way to the virgin birth in Bethlehem's manger. From there to Calvary's hill of sorrow. From there to Pentecost's fulfillment. God has always desired to dwell with man. He's wanted to fellowship us. He's wanted to be with us. He's wanted to abide with us. The Mount of Transfiguration is where Jesus' flesh became transparent. It's where Moses and Elijah showed up there, and Peter, James, and John are there, and his flesh becomes transparent, and all the inner radiance of his glory was made visible to Peter, James, and John. And Peter, he's the star student. He's the most brilliant of all the disciples. And I know everybody gives him a hard time because he seemed to move impulsively, but I just think he was fast. I just think he put the pieces together quicker than others. So there's Peter on the top of the mountain with Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and he gets a brainstorm. Let's build three tabernacles up here on this mountain. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And I just see the Lord looking down at Peter and kind of getting a little smile. That's my star student. Almost right, (laughs) but not quite. You're very close on this one. You almost got it. You were closer than everybody else. My idea exactly 
that there would be three tabernacles on this mount of transfiguration. It's exactly what I want to do. Only you're not going to have to build them. That's why I brought you up here, Peter, James, and John. Three tabernacles on this mountain to house this glory is my building program. But the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Know you not that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. God's plan from the beginning of time until now was that he could take up residence inside your soul. And when he poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, it was the fulfillment of his plan. I want to say this in closing. I realize the language is sometimes spooky. Holy Ghost. Talk about ghosts over there at that church. Well, you know what a ghost is, just the spirit of a departed person. That's what Jesus did. He left, sent back his ghost. It's not a spooky ghost. It's a holy ghost. <laughs> I was pastored in Lynchburg, Virginia, and out there in Virginia we had what they called rednecks. Sound like y'all have a revelation of that around here. I was preaching one Pentecost Sunday, and man, I was just preaching like I've been doing tonight on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost and fire, Holy Ghost fire anointing, coming down out of heaven, speaking in tongues. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And I went on about 30, 40 minutes, and I finally wrapped it up, gave the altar call. Here come old Glenn, redneck down the aisle. He had long blonde hair down to his shoulders where he had on a jean vest. He had a red bandana tied around his forehead. I walked over to Glenn, found out later his eight-year-old girl had shamed him into coming to church. She said, all the other daddies go. How come you don't go? What could he do? There he was. I walked over to old Glenn. Glenn looked at me and said, Preacher, I'm here to get that ghost. Fortunately for old Glenn, I spoke a little redneck, and I knew exactly what he meant. Hallelujah. I said, well, Glenn, you're in the right place, because that ghost wants to get you too. Hallelujah. That ghost is going to get you. I said, that ghost is going to get you. Old Glenn raised his hands. I laid hands on that bandana, and he got the Holy Ghost. He got the spirit of the departed Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He came back down to earth, but this time he came in Old Glenn. <laughs> now that Old Glenn's become a son of God. <laughs> Can stand with me all over the house. I'm only going slow because I'm trying to eliminate all this other stuff. God came as near as he could get at Calvary. You can play some soft music to make everybody cry. <laughs> or whatever else you may feel in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we say Holy Spirit. And that's accurate also. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. It's easy to understand. God is a spirit. God is a Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's just another term for the same God I've been preaching about all night. Amen. The Holy Spirit is His Holy God. We're still talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Before Calvary, we call Him the Father. At His incarnation, His birth from Bethlehem to Calvary, 
we call him the Son. And after Calvary at Pentecost till now, we call him the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus. He said, I am come in my Father's name. He said, I will send this Holy Spirit in my name. Ephesians 3.15 says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Somebody shout, Jesus! Jesus. So here's the revelation. God came down to man, holy and righteous. He came down as far as he could come. He came as near as he could get at Calvary. God who was spirit, God who was holy, God who was righteous, God who knew no sin became flesh. He came all the way down to Calvary, and at Calvary he took on the sins of the whole world. And that was as close to humanity as he could reach. It was as far into our world as a holy God could come. Calvary is God stretching his holiness into man's world as far as he could reach. And so if you're going to connect with God, if you're going to ever touch the Him of the throne of God, you're going to have to come to Calvary. He who knew no sin became sin. So you and I who have sinned from our birth and have come short of the glory of God might be made righteous. It's the mystery of godliness. God who was spirit became flesh. So you and I who are flesh could be filled with His Spirit. Calvary is the meeting place. Calvary is the divine connection between God and man. And as we close this little revival tonight, this beginning of the year, I want to leave you at Calvary. I want to leave you at the foot of the old rugged cross because everything you'll ever need for every place you'll ever go and everything you'll ever do is God come down to man at Calvary. I wonder if man could come to God at Calvary. You could come and pray. You don't have to come and cry unless you want to. You don't have to come and repent. We were repent all over this place unless you want to but we're going to come to Calvary there's power in the blood there's power in the blood Calvary will heal you Calvary will deliver you Calvary will fill you with his spirit Calvary is God Emmanuel God with us Calvary is the place that you can be filled with the spirit Calvary is the place you can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God come on up in here come on to the foot of the old rugged cross We started this out a Wednesday or so ago by taking the communion supper, by visiting again the blood and the broken body of Jesus. I'm telling you there's power in the cross tonight by the authority and the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the broken body and by the stripes upon his back tonight. I speak healing into your life. I speak deliverance from drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and bitterness. I speak healing into you for abuses. I speak healing into you for molestation. In the name of the Lord, for every addiction, for verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Come on, it's all here at Calvary. The Lord will heal you, deliver you, set you free. Let him become Emmanuel, God with you before you leave. Let him come into your heart. Would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your voice? Would you lift up your heart and become the sanctuary of a sovereign deity? Would you become the dwelling place for deity here tonight? Would you invite God into your heart 
invite God into your life. That's it. Open up your mouth and let your hallelujah out. That's how you connect with him in Calvary. Imagine him on that cross, dying for your sins. He deserves praise and glory. Hallelujah! This is the way we have waited for. <laughs> this is the Breakthrough. We have waited As you worship the Lord Jesus here tonight. deliver you from your double life. Let him deliver you from your double life right now.
us into your heart. Let him become your personal Lord and Savior here tonight. Invite the Lord Jesus into your heart. And then let him fill you with his spirit. Jesus. 